All 8 billion of us are doing metabolism at all times. This show is about learning what metabolism is, how it affects you in every way possible from mood and mental state to performance and energy. We are all about fine-tuning the human experience for you to achieve the best self you can be. And if you are someone who loves science, curious to know how your body works and how to optimize it, then you are in the right place. This is the HVMN Podcast. In this episode, we have Dr. Walter Longo. And Dr. Walter Longo is the Edna M. Jones Professor of Gerontology and Biological Sciences and the Director of Longevity Institute at the University of Southern California, Leonard Davis School of Gerontology, Los Angeles. One of the leading centers for research on aging and age-related disease. Dr. Longo is also the Director of Longevity and Cancer Program at the IFOM Institute of Molecular Oncology in Milan, Italy. In this episode, we covered the differences between fast-mimicking diet and conventional fasting. Why would you pay for a diet when you can simply not eat? We also covered how fast-mimicking diet can be used to counter cancer, diabetes, Alzheimer's, autoimmune disease, among others. He even gave some tips at the end on how to live a long, healthy life. So make sure you stay tuned and enjoy this episode. Thank you for listening. And today we have Dr. Walter Longo here. Thank you very much for coming on to HVMN Podcast. Welcome. I know you just recently gave a keynote speech at the Metabolic Health Summit last weekend. Uh, very kind of you to make time for us. Well, thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, so previously we did re- record an episode, but it was due to uh, um, technical issues. So here we are again, and I, you know, I'm an honor to pick your brain about fast mimicking diet, about fasting in general, about all the metabolic differences in therapeutic areas. So before we go on, uh, please let our audience know what your background is and how you came in, came about into this space. Um, so my background is in aging and longevity, and uh, I've been doing this, uh, you know, since I was a kid, pretty much. Uh, since I was 19 years old in Texas and a music student, and um, now I um, I direct the, the Longevity Institute uh, here at USC and the lab uh, here at USC, and I um, focus on aging, and I also run a lab at, uh, at the EFOM Institute in Milan on uh, molecular oncology. So, yeah, that's my, uh, those are my main jobs, yeah. What, what are the most exciting research that you're doing right now? A lot of research, a lot of research, and I think that the, I, we're very excited about uh, our cancer work because um, the idea is to use, uh, uh, is to use uh, the, um, this, what we call differential stress resistance and differential stress sensitization to treat cancer. And then in, a couple of years ago, we discovered that if you use fasting mimicking diet, we can put cancer cells into a corner and they rewire. And when they rewire, they uh, turn, they, they desperately depend on certain pathways, which can easily be uh, drugged, meaning that you can use drugs to target them, right? So now we have a system where we do RNA-seq, you know, so we look at the RNA, we look how the, the cell responds, and then we quickly can, can tell which escape they're using, right? And um, yeah, so we're very excited about that because uh, I think it could really be a, an opportunity to go after most cancers, um, you know, with a combination of, of drugs that are very effective against a particular target plus the fasting-making diet. 
so that's one and yeah yeah go ahead um that's that's one and then and then we're very uh, you know very very excited about this reprogramming this yamanaka factor and this the role of the fasting making diet in uh, turning on in different organs different yamanaka factors and what does yamanaka factors do so yamanaka factors are are this uh, um you know pluripotency uh genes that are turned on to turn a somatic cell so a cell that has a, spe a specialized job into an embryonic like stem cell right and so yamanaka got the nobel prize uh, a number of years ago uh, in, in 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 together with Tom, uh, with uh, sir gordon uh for stem cell work and uh and for discovering these factors um that turn on uh, you know differentiated cells that turn on indifferentiated cells to make embryonic cells now the the when that happens one of the things you can get or you do get is the rejuvenation so not only you're going from a cell to a uh, embryonic cells but then you can potentially go back to that differentiated cell but now it's a it's a brand new cell right it's, it's a young cell and uh yeah so then um um that's we're applying that we first started many years ago 10 years ago with the blood and then you know we moved to the uh the gut the brain uh now we're you know we're soon we're gonna publish on the kidney uh yeah so it seems like to be working everywhere in the in the mouse in the rat now we're showing and and now we're starting to show evidence from clinical human trials that this is probably occurring you know although you know it's much harder to demonstrate uh to i mean it's, it's easy to see evidence for it but it's hard to demonstrate that that's what's happening right right and and this is essentially reversal right instead of looking at from a from a therapeutic point of view this is like almost age age reversal is that correct yes i mean it's it's a lot of people that talk about it make it sound easy and like tomorrow we're all going to be 20. Uh, but you know, yeah, so you can reverse, you can take a cell and you can make it young. But, and, and now we're showing that, for example, some years ago, seven years ago, we published on the pancreas. So we take a toxin, we damage irreversibly the pancreas. So the pancreas of mice does not make insulin anymore. And, and that's a permanent damage. Then we start the fasting-making diet and we show this Yamanaka factor turned on and then the reprogramming happens and then the cells, they, they start making insulin again, right? Uh, so both in type two diabetes and in type one diabetes. And, and yeah, you're so, absolutely, yeah, so go ahead. No, so I just suggest that it can be used to reverse the yeah. permanent damage. Now, you know, did we make uh, the pancreas young well, you know, probably not young, but younger for sure, right? And we don't know the sustainability either. We're not sustainable because it's long term. Then we monitor long term, right? So long term, they're, you know, months later, they were still making insulin normally, right? So this was not a, a, a temporary solution. And in fact, in the mice, in the, in the hematopoietic system, we did uh, double transplants, right? So we took, we did the fasting making diet. Then we took the bone marrow. We transplanted the mice. We irradiated the mice, transplanted it. Then the bone marrow, the, the hematopoietic stem cells um, expand and they give rise to a, a, a you know, say new immune system. And then we, we did it again, right? Then, then we did a double, what's called a double transplant. So that means that these, are, these effects on stem cells are, are very, 
solid and they can lead into uh, long -term, very long-term effects. Right. And, and I, I just want to comment, you're absolutely right. When you can show reprogramming and for people who, are, uh, who have not you know, done cell research, it's easier, much easier to reprogram cells on a Petri dish versus having that effect replicated in a live animal or a live human because we have to take into account the interaction, the signaling between the cells within the organ itself, let alone within the system, um, because there are so all sorts of signals that are being sent at all times to really maintain the, uh, the, the check and balance within the body. So as we know, even in senescent cells, why some cells senesce and then they start secreting uh, these signals around them and the other cells senesce and, 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 and have programmed cell death or apoptosis, it's, it's because you know, they're all connected in one way or another. Right. Yeah. And, and then the ultimate challenge, of course, is non-dividing tissues, you know, the, the heart, the brain. Um, so how do you do that there, right? Where there's a non-dividing, especially the, the nervous system has the, the store, the, the memory. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's going to be interesting uh, and very, very difficult uh, to navigate. But I think that's what makes the next uh, 30 years uh, very exciting for a lot of scientists. Yeah. So um, before we go on as well, could you just briefly explain to us what is a fast mimicking diet and how is that different to just conventional fasting? A high fat, uh, low calorie um, diet, diet that lasts from four to seven days, depending on what we're trying to achieve with it. It started as a four day version many years ago. I think in 2009, when we we tried to um, um, we we were running a clinical trial on, on patients with cancer, and we realized that um, the, they did not want to do water-only fasting, and and the oncologists were not comfortable with that either. And also, we always thought the FDA eventually is gonna not even gonna allow any of this to to go forward. And uh, yeah, so it was very important to standardize it to allow people to uh, patients to eat uh, to make it safe, you know. So now that the salts are in there and and the nutrients are in there, so we're trying to achieve the fasting response without the malnourishment or the temporary malnourishment that comes with fasting. And uh, that was probably a very good idea. And and how how much calories is that per day? Yeah, it changes for cancer patient. It's about six hundred calories per day. For normal people, it's uh, 800 to 1100. Uh, for Alzheimer's, it's about 1400. Uh, yeah, so it just depends what we're trying to uh, what we're trying to achieve. So the difference in calories does that dictate the the significance in the fasting effect, or why why the difference in calories? Well, I mean, you have two two components, and one is the caloric restriction, right? And two is the fasting mimicking property. So, Correct. if you if you uh, so part of the effect you get from the restriction, and part of the effect you get from the fasting mimicking property. So then, what what we do is we have enough of a restriction plus the fasting mimicking property to give a full fasting response, right? So so then that's why it's a, it's a high fat. And there's glycerol in there. And there's all kinds of components that are trying to be consistent with a fasting response. So 
in a fasting organism, glycerol is elevated and fat uh, is, is part of the fasting response. Sugars and proteins and amino, especially certain amino acids are not, or many amino acids are not. Some amino acids, maybe they come from the muscle, but and from gluconeog from uh, uh, amino acids, but uh, um, but uh, um, others are, are down, down and lower. So yeah, so we're we're trying to achieve uh, all of these effects so that the, the patient gets a full fasting response, but they can eat a reasonable amount of calories. I see. Um and you literally just explained this from a scientific point of view, but I would like to ask you to explain it from a non-scientific point of view, because a lot of people ask this question, right? If I am fasting and I have a snack of, say, you know, 100, 200 calories, would that break my fast? If it's a fasting mimicking uh, snack, no. If it's a regular snack, almost for sure, yes. And, and how, how does one differentiate how does one know uh what kind of snack it is like how do you define fast mimicking uh a snack i mean you know our standard is a clinical trial right so mm -hmm. that's what we do for example we have a fasting uh or i shouldn't, I shouldn't say we the company um that that uh, founded many years ago has a is a bar right that that is being designed and developed for the purpose of not interfering with the fasting response and so this is a trial where they, they give patients a, a regular breakfast or, you know, or a regular snack or the fasting mimicking snack and, and then look at glucose and look at ketone bodies and look at the, how those are affected. And, you know, so you, uh, if you're not lowering the ketone bodies and not um, uh, increasing the, the sugars, then, uh, um, yeah, then you probably got... Uh, achieve the fasting response. Now you can yeah. go more in depth, you know, look at IGF-1, IGF-PP-1, uh, and et cetera. So you can go further, but you know, the ketone bodies and the sugars are, are both maintained at the fasting level. That's yeah. a pretty good uh, sign. Yeah. yeah, no, thank you very much for the explanation. So essentially, I think now that we know more about human metabolism, the human body and the fasting, the effect that fasting have, uh, that fasting has on our bodies, we can now differentiate between foods that are going to break fast and foods that are not based on the properties and the effect it has on the body rather than just counting the calories, right? Most of the time people are like, oh, I'm having a sip of, you know, sugar water. Uh, it has maybe 50 calories, but, you know, it's not going to break fast because, you know, fast mimicking diet has like hundreds of calories. But then if you are taking in sugar, you're also raising insulin and insulin will, will inhibit most of the effect that you want to try to get from fasting. So that, that sort of knowledge is important um, to modify how you fast and, and what sort of things that you may or may not uh, consume when you're fasting. So um, your work around therapeutic areas are, are super interesting, right? Because we are essentially using um, nutrition to battle all these different diseases that are the main killers of the world that have only been treated with pharmaceuticals and drugs. So tell us a little bit more about, let's, let's focus on cancer first, because we, you started um, with that. How does um, fast mimicking diet help with cancer? Um, in conjunction with the drugs that they use, like what 
what do we know what mechanism of action at the moment um, of fast mimicking diet that's helping? Yeah, so the mechanism is what I mentioned earlier, right? So, so in the old days, uh, when we first started this, like 20 years ago, uh, you know, we were thinking fasting and fasting mimicking diet cycles, uh, uh, so that we don't get too much weight loss. And that's it, you know, then, then we added the chemo, then, then, then we had a lot of things. And, and now I think we're, we're excited about two things. One is what I said earlier, push the cancer to an escape uh, modality and then target those with whatever FDA approved drugs there are, right? So if it's uh, TOR, target it with rapamycin. If it is PI3 kinase, pick If you, you know, so uh, if it's CDK4-6, cycle uh, um, palbociclib or ribociclib. Um, and uh, so that's very exciting. And, uh, and I think that we're helping lots of uh, now uh, hospitals uh, begin to think about clinical trials. And, uh, um, and, and then the other one is non-toxic intervention. So some years ago, we published on vitamin C plus fasting mimicking diet. So we're very excited about that because now, unlike what I just mentioned, um, is it possible to turn cancer treatment into like antibiotics uh, treatment, you know, we're like, oh, you know, you may have cancer. Why don't you take these three things? You know, and uh, it sounds like science fiction now, but very close, right? Mm-hmm. Very close, right? So then, why is that? Well, if it's non-toxic, right? If it's vitamin C and a fasting mimicking diet, they're both anti-aging, right? So, um, so yeah. So now we're 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 saying, well, what if we expand this? You know, and that's what we're going after, and uh, we'll see. But uh, but uh, yeah. So it's. Uh, it's an interesting possibility uh, on the cancer side that you could have a, a non-toxic cocktail that now can treat cancer. I mean, right. of course, we already shown that for colorectal cancer and other cancers and uh, in mice. Uh, so it works very well just with the two drugs. And then if you had the chemo, it worked even better. So it told us, you know, effective chemo then flattened the, I mean, the cancer completely stopped growing. Uh, so with the three intervention, right? But so you want to get rid of the chemo and then replace it. And the question is, what do we replace it with uh, so that we can go after cancer? It's not an easy thing, but but now we're getting in within, uh, you know, within range, right? Within range, it's like, yeah, maybe this could target a lot of cancers, you know? Yeah. So that that's my next question, because I, I don't have a lot of expertise in cancers, right? But I do know that different cancers are being treated differently, and they may metabolize differently, and there's a lot of nuance in between them. So how do you differentiate um, the different fast mimicking diet, or do you think all the, the fast mimicking diet would work with most um, cancers, like just a blanketed uh, treatment rather than a uh, tailored specific treatment? Yeah, I would say uh, I'll, I'll say I'll, I'll have a crazy statement, which is like I think the fast mimicking diet works with all cancers, right? And but it does not work for any cancer alone. Like, well, one, right? We just published on that, you know, cancer research publication, CLL, right? So we have a couple of patients actually that we've been treating only with the fasting mimicking diet for years, five or six years, and kept them off drugs, you know? So for some blood cancers, we see fasting mimicking diet alone working, but that's about it, right? The other cases, it slows it down, but then the cancer eventually grows or even, you know, becomes resistant and then takes over. The cancer stem cells become resistant and take over. But 
in combination, it's a very powerful wildcard, right? And, and why is that so powerful? And this is what I'm always amazed that it's been so ignored in the cancer field. I say people are so obsessed with what's different between cancers, they're failing to see what's always the same, right? Mm -hmm. And what is always the same? Well, they're hallmarks of cancer, right? <clears throat> so for example, the cancer rebels against uh, starvation uh, order, right? You know, or, or cell cycle uh, orders to stop dividing, right? That's a, that's a feature of cancer. I, I refuse to stop. Well, that's all cancers, right? Uh, it, to some level, you know, some completely refuse, some partially refuse, <clears throat> but no matter what, that gives you an opportunity to, you know, use the, the starvation condition. And now all the normal cells know exactly what to do. No normal cell is going to continue. I don't care what, what, that I'm, I haven't eaten for five days. I'm going to keep on going. It doesn't happen like that. Why? Three billion years of research and development, right? So this is started uh, billions of years ago. So from bacteria, they respond to starvation. Yeast responds to starvation. And human cells and human beings respond to starvation. And, um, and so, yeah. So then all the normal cells go in one direction and all the cancer cells go in whatever direction they want to go, right? So this is an incredible opportunity now to um, to say, yeah, what what do I target? How, what allows them to do that? Right? It's, it's something that is very different from the normal cell, and that's uh, yeah, that's what we go after. We go after this this re rebel pathway. This is rebel escape pathways, and so theoretically, you can use it for any cancer. Now, you know, for the ones so far, it looks like it's between two and three pathways, right? Two and three pathways. That's remarkable because, you know, you think maybe it's 200. No, it seems like in most cancers we looked at is between two and three escapers, right? So, for example, for hormone therapy in breast cancer, it was uh, two drugs. I mean, we, we did it the other way around for hormone therapy. So we used the standard of care, estrogen receptor blockade and CDK4-6 blockade. So this is two drugs, fulvestrant and palbociclib. So we started with the drugs and then we used the fasting making diet and the, the tumor started regressing. This is in mice, of course, right? Although we also tested it in people. And so you can turn around and say, what if I use the fasting making diet? So a fasting making diet lower IGF-1, insulin, mm -hmm. and leptin, right? Mm -hmm. And all three were necessary together with the two drugs. So they, then the two drugs represent the blocker or the escape pathways, even though in this case, we did it the other way around. We started I get to interview all these doctors, scientists, and cool people in this health and fitness industry, all made possible because of this podcast that is funded by the company I work for, which is Health Via Modern Nutrition or HVMN. And it is not that they pay me to do this, but I genuinely love and believe in the product Ketone IQ. I use it every day before my podcast, before my workout, or even after my workout for recovery. There hasn't been a single supplement that can give me such a drastic change in subjective feel within minutes as much as Ketone IQ has. For those of you who do not know me, I'm from Malaysia, I got my PhD from the UK, and my passion is in science and chronic diseases, and I believe it is all about transparency, scientific integrity, and about sharing with everyone so that everyone can benefit from it. And if you like this content and our work, please do support us by liking, leaving a review, or sharing with your friends and families, or even buying a shot of Ketone IQ at any Sprouts nationwide in the US, and the first shot is on us. Just scan the QR code and you'll get your money back for your first shot. You can also use the code HVMNPOD20, that is HVMNPOD20, 
and get 20% off your first purchase at the HVMN website. With the drugs to then, you know, do the, uh, kill the cancer with the FMD. Now we're starting with the FMD and we're looking for the drugs. And so in another paper with triple negative breast cancer, we showed that it was PI3 kinase, TOR, and uh, um, yeah, TOR and CDK46. Those were uh, some of the key escape pathways that, that um, they were, were uh, important. Yeah, so anyway, so that now it's a question of quickly identifying the escape and then having drugs that target it. Uh, and if it's true that most cancers have two, three, four maximum escape pathways, then this just, it's a scenario that could be used for all cancers. Now, um, you mentioned earlier about the Yamanaka factor, right? Would that be affected in the cancer cells when you have FMD? Sometimes they are, right? Yeah, sometimes they are. Sometimes they go down and sometimes they go up, right? And some cancers, stem cells, you know, may have uh, high levels of MYC, for example. And some of them, after the fasting, may have low levels of, of MYC. So, yeah, it can go. So, the, the Yamanaka factor can become part of an escape. Um, but uh, That's why you use it in conjunction with the drugs. Yeah. So, so um, the question, the, I mean, the, the job is to block all the ability to uh, grow and you know and so in a lot of the cases that to grow they have to make dna they have to make um, you know amino acids etc cetera, etc cetera. so you're just blocking their ability to their building blocks let's say um, in addition to the energy the atp right so they need energy but they also need building blocks and you just got to take that away and it looks like it's between two or two three escape pathways in most cancers yeah what do you think is the specific role of ketones in fast-mimicking diet in treating cancer? Yeah, so a lot of cancers seem to be sensitive to the, to the ketones, right? So uh, some cancers like the ketones, but it seems to be a minority. So the, most of the cancers seem to not like it. And, and that may be one of the ways that the ketones are killing the cancer cells. And there's a number of papers now that have shown that. And um, yeah, and also the ketones may be um, signaling to the immune system to kill the cancer cells, right? So, so yeah, those are two things that, that I've seen uh, lots of groups starting to publish on. And so I think both are, are interesting, you know, direct effects and indirect effects of the ketone bodies on, uh, on uh, you know, cancer attack. Yeah, I think, I think the signaling effect of ketones, so really really interesting but it's also really difficult to really pinpoint um unless you know roughly where the pathway you, you look, you're going and, and trying to figure out what what that does whereas the direct effects are much easier to measure right yeah all right so let's move on to alzheimer's because i know you mentioned alzheimer's as well earlier um how does this diet help with alzheimer's which has a very completely different uh, disease progression and, and, and mechanism of action compared to cancer? Yeah, so for Alzheimer, we published a paper in, in two different Alzheimer models uh, um, in uh, last year, and, and it worked very well in delaying cognitive decline, in reducing uh, beta amyloid and tau, and uh, 
but the main thing, the very powerful effect that we saw is this anti-inflammatory, neuroinflammatory effect. And it really, also when we did the omics, so we, we looked at gene expression, uh, you know, hippocampus-wide gene expression, it's very clear, a lot of the inflammatory, many inflammatory markers were downregulated. And so in a very strong way, right? So then uh, that's what we, um, we think uh, uh, maybe uh, you know uh, powerful about the the FMD cycles, and then we also saw regenerative like stem cell effects, but it's not clear. You know, is that enough to to make a difference? Uh, the the, the anti-inflammatory effects were drastic. The effects on stem cells are there, are significant, but you know, it's not clear whether they, they can do anything. And then we we finished a clinical trial, you know, on sixty patients. And, uh, and we were surprised that they were able to finish it, right? Because to tell you the truth, I thought this is going to be a very few people be able to finish this, uh, like once a month for 12 months, FMD. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, I think uh, maybe 70% or so of the patient were able to finish. And, uh, and uh, we'll see, we have to analyze the data. We'll see what, uh, what, what it looks like. But um, I think, you know, what's exciting about, I, you know, by the time, if you talk to neurologists, by the time somebody's got Alzheimer's, they'll say, you know, it's, it's going to be tough to do anything about it. The brain is so, so damaged. Yeah. But the exciting part is um, combination with lots of drugs and therapy, and, and that's going to be interesting at some, at some point, FMD++, like for cancer. But I also started thinking about earlier, like what about somebody that gets a PET scan now and, and you know, they can tell you, hey, maybe in 20 years you're going to develop Alzheimer's. Right, and now we know that uh, diabetes is uh, it almost doubles the risk for Alzheimer's, and uh, uh, yeah. So then, uh, could this be a way to instead of getting Alzheimer's eighty, you get it at eighty-seven, and uh, you know, and maybe by then you're you're gonna die of natural causes, right? So so yeah. So I think that that's an exciting, very realistic part. Now reversing Alzheimer's is much harder. Exactly. Exactly. I think there's a lot of work that's being done right now. Uh, I think in the NIH as well, using exogenous ketones and Alzheimer's and dementia, just looking the specific effects of ketones and uh, the brain and how it has profound um, acute effect um, on, on both the brain energetics as well as the uh, interactions between brain regions. Um, it's really really fascinating yeah and, and by the way we in the trial we gave uh, ketogenic components every day between the fmd cycles right so the wow. the 300 extra calories came from three or four hundred i forgot from ketogenic food so we gave them the fmd for five days and then because we were worried about muscle loss we right. gave them you know uh, ketogenic uh, uh, ingredients to supplement their diet uh, yep. for the 25 in between dates right so it uh, it worked pretty well right so yep. so yeah so i think that, we, and that's we were trying to go with all the all the you know weapons that we have you know? yeah no and that's smart because ketones or uh ketones have been shown to uh mitigate uh, muscle wasting in cancers that has been published so so we know ketone to a certain effect does uh, preserve muscle mass to a certain extent obviously if you are still you know, continuously um, being malnourished, then, you know, you, you will lose some muscle mass, but at least, you know, that 
that sort of effort will be able to keep your muscle on for longer. Yeah. Diabetes. You mentioned diabetes. That's that's a great area. It's uh, you know, how, last time I wrote my my PhD thesis was like almost ten years ago. That was I think five hundred million people was affected by diabetes in in the world. I think the number really jumped up now. I haven't looked. Five hundred and forty. Five hundred and forty. Okay. That's the last. Another forty forty million people in a in a that's few a, years. Yeah. Yeah. So five hundred forty million people affected by diabetes. How can fasting or fast mimicking diet help with diabetes? Well, for diabetes, I, you know, we have the most, by far, the most conclusive uh, uh, results, right? Way more than cancer. I mean, cancer is a lot of cancer, a lot of therapy. It's very, very difficult. You know, it's going to be very difficult to uh, move into the standard of care. Uh, but we're trying, but it's a long, long, difficult try. For diabetes, this is uh, trial number four is about to be published by University of Leiden uh, with 100 patients, 12 cycles. Heidelberg published a couple of years ago. Uh, and the results are really remarkable, you know, so 50 to 70 percent. So this, the, the Heidelberg trial, diabetes patient receiving six consecutive cycles of the fasting making diet. And the uh, in the Leiden trial is diabetes patient receiving twelve consecutive cycles of the fasting making diet. When you say cycle, is it once a month? Yeah, once a month cycles. Yeah, yeah. With the idea eventually to to make it a lot less frequent, so like every two months and year two, or maybe even every three months and year two, right? So I was like suffer a little bit, and then you know, and so fifty to seventy percent uh, of patient reduce drug use, right? So, um, and uh, so reduction of A1C plus 50 to 70% reduction in drug use in both trials. Um, in the Heidelberg trial, A1C dropped from 8.1 to 6.7 on average, right? Which is really remarkable uh, effects uh, comparable to very strong drugs. And uh, so, yeah, between the two pre-diabetes uh, trials and now the two diabetes trial, we're getting pretty close to conclusive evidence that you know, without changing lifestyle, without taking drugs, actually lowering drug use and maybe 15% becoming uh, in, going into remission within a year, um, the FMD uh, can be very effective, right? And so, uh, yeah, so I think that now it's a question of looking around the 500, talking to the 540 million people and say, which one of you want to stay on drugs for the rest of your life? And which one of you instead would rather give it a shot without, without revolutionizing your lifestyle uh, or reversing this diabetes, you know? And uh, yeah, so I think that uh, I'm very excited about that, right? And, and uh, you know, because you use Erzampic and all these drugs and, and great. I mean, you know, a lot of people need the drugs, you know, they just can't change anything. You cannot even do the fasting making diet, fine. But that's it, right? That should be, that should be the standard, right? You do the, the, the drugs only when not only you cannot change your lifestyle completely, because, of course, most people can't. Let's say 90% of people are not going to be able to change your lifestyle long term or, or so. Uh, but I think you should get drugs only when the, also the periodic use of, of the diet fails, right? Or you cannot do it. It's like I tried, I get to day two, I, I drop it. Okay, that's, that's fine. Then... But even then, I think, and I know that, you know, it sounds crazy to most people, but even then, I think it should be now 
fasting mimicking diet plus the drug that the Ozempics of the world just enough so then you go back to into re regression and remission and then you drop the drug right so because because the the hunger and this is what we have some some endocrinologists in in Brazil that are doing this now with, with the GLP-1 so they're they're using the the GLP-1 uh, agonist to make you less hungry so you can do the FMD right mm, and then they re see. and then they reverse that and then they, say they drop the drug and and that's it and you're 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 cured essentially right that's idea I'm we're very excited about this possibility of not using drugs or using this this maybe not you know maybe there's some of the uh, shorter lasting uh, you know GLP-1 uh, uh, targeting drugs that could be compatible with the with the fasting making diet yeah, this is super smart to use GLP-1 to reduce, that reduces hunger, uh, control appetite, and use it in conjunction with fast-mimicking diet so that people will find it, especially people with insulin resistance. Obviously, they're going to have, you know, if they are having also obesity, they're going to have a, a much higher uh, demand for calories and food and for them to go through fast making diet is going to be hell and you know this coming from a family with high prevalence of diabetes on my mom's side like i do know that most people once they get diabetes they you know within those like 540 million people majority of them probably don't even know that we can now reverse diabetes or reduce usage of drugs because most of them when they get diagnosed they just accept it especially if they grow up grow up seeing family members already having diabetes and had to deal with it on a daily basis, then it sort of almost normalizes it for them in their heads. And then when they get it, they're like, well, it's just my, you know, rite of passage, uh, which is untrue. So I hope this message, you know, reach people out there, you know, even if it's one more person who can share and tell people that, nowadays even though you know the numbers of people with diabetes are increasing drastically we can and there are tools that people can use to reverse it and really increase um you know insulin resistance uh, sorry insulin sensitivity yeah and and and, and, and let's not forget the uh, the the team right you gotta have the team the doctor the the nutrition and dietitian uh have to be there and the doctor doesn't have to do a lot of work and maybe we think it's just initial initial explaining i'm here you know let's make sure that you don't get hypoglycemic make sure that if you're going to mix it with drugs it's done very carefully and this this can can turn ugly right if you if you combine fasting fasting making diet with drugs especially insulin and insulin releasing drugs uh it could turn out but it's it was handled by heidelberg it was handled by by Leiden. uh so it can be handled and that's why the doctor should be there handling it. And then the dietitian can do most of the, and then, you know, continuous glucose monitor. Uh, I think at the, yeah, at the beginning, yeah, why not? Especially if you're going to mix drugs with, uh, I would say there should be a must, you know, like a requirement. If you're going to uh, FMD plus drugs, have a, a, a CGM uh, on, make sure that, you know, everything looks good. And then, um, you know, eventually, as you reduce, uh, maybe as you eliminate the insulin use, uh, then you stop. Yeah. Right, right, right. Now, from a basic scientist point of view, I have to ask, um, do we know that fast mimicking diet is directly targeting insulin resistance? 
um, when you see when you saw you know the the HbA1c going down from 8.7 to like six you know eight something to six something uh, is that due to decrease in insulin resistance is that due to you know improvement in in the pancreas pancreatic beta cells or, or what, do we know what exactly is it affecting yeah, I mean, in, in uh, raw dense, it's very clear. Insulin resistance is, uh, is reversed uh, and, or reduced. And, um, you know, and insulin usually goes down or way down, right? So most of the FMD clinical trials show a drop in insulin, uh, a drop in glucose, a drop in insulin. So that means that, um, yeah, the, the patients are, are most likely... Well, actually, Heidelberg uh, did the HOMA IR, and it was huge. And, and interesting, if you look at that paper by uh, University of Heidelberg, um, they have they have FMD against five days of Mediterranean diet. You know, and, and I don't know why they they picked that, but I'm assuming somebody in the team, maybe not the first author, but somebody in the team said, you know what? Yeah, just given the, FM, the Mediterranean diet, it's going to be the same. Uh, it's just a healthy diet. And then you look at insulin resistance, a Mediterranean diet, and the A1C. A Mediterranean diet does absolutely nothing, Z zero. And then you look at the FMD, and you see a, a HOMA and the A1C collapse, right? So yeah, so definitely, um, even the clinical data now suggesting uh, reversal of insulin resistance, very clear. And uh, and it's not just by giving people a healthy diet, you know? Right, right, right. And and you know, be, having studied diabetes and cardiac metabolism for for my for my PhD, people always ask me. So is it the insulin deficiency that comes first, or the overcompensation that comes first, or is it that insulin resistance that comes first? And from how I see what you just explained, it's pretty much because the fast mimicking diet is lowering insulin, you are essentially decreasing the exposure of your peripheral cells of your muscle cells for example which has a lot of you know insulin receptors that are initially insulin resistant but because you're lowering that exposure by lowering insulin uh, secretion in general by using fast mimicking diet you are now giving time for the muscle cells to recalibrate and decrease insulin resistance or increase insulin sensitivity sure sure but we go much further up right in an evolutionary uh yes. reasoning and the evolutionary reasoning is like a diabetes was never a disease in the first place right and uh, diabetes was always there like it is in the emperor penguins like it is in a lot of animals is there to accumulate fat in the period when you have a lot of sugary uh, you know like a lot of fruit a lot of honey so eat 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 become insulin resistant, store the fat, because when the winter comes, you're going to need all of that, right? Yeah, this is very simple, and it's just criminal that, you know, the medical community just completely ignores all of this. This is why the FMD works so well, because it's giving you the signal. And it's tricky, right? Because it's not about just fat. People use words, fasting, you know, it means nothing, right? Why? Because if you go too long, so if you do it for the right amount of time, now you reverse that, you know, and, and the system says, okay, I was in a fat accumulating mode in a summer mode, and now I go to the winter mode and I burn the fat. If you go too, too uh, uh, long, now it gets into a thrifty mode. And what happens, and this was published by Label and other people many years ago in the New England Journal of Medicine, you know, you go into a hypermetabolic, low energy expenditure mode, right? 
So now that now you go to from one problem to the other problem, even worse, right? Because now it's a nightmare. You're you're burning very little calories, and you're like in a hibernation mode, right? And uh, yeah, so you have to you have to unlock it without entering the hibernation. I mean, it's not a hibernation mode, but I'm calling it that just to make it yep. simple for people, right? Exactly. You, you know, unlock it, unlock the insulin resistance, but don't get into hibernation uh, modality. And that's where you want to be, and that's why we we see patients uh, over and over and over because you know we have two clinics for the foundation. That, and, uh, that is such a great point, is that insulin resistance has always been there as a mechanism, as yeah. a... Um, Beneficial, uh, saving your life, you know. It, it's, yeah, exactly. It's a compensatory mechanism to allow us to adapt to our environment back in the day when we didn't have abundance of food, when we didn't have regulation of, of temperature and all of that. And... Yeah, and, and, and now because the change in environment, we are constantly being, you know, fed with the abundance of food and not have to deal with uh, seasons where we run out of food. And hence, that is why fasting and fast-moving diet have such an effect, a profound effect on balancing that signals, uh, uh, that signaling within the body in order for, for the body to reset. But this is why I would say... Let's get rid of the word fasting, right? Mm. Because that's why it's failed all these years in the medical community to go anywhere. Because, you know, on one side, we have the FDA, we have all these regulatory committees, and, and then on the other side, we have words, right? And of course, like I just mentioned, if you go too long, it's going to go into hypermetabolism. If you go too short, you're not going to. So I think we got to stop. And, and I'm, I'm not saying, you know, the company I started, it could be lots of companies. I mean, eventually it's going to be a lot of companies. But let's start standardizing in a way where food becomes medicine. And then, but, you know, it is regulated, it is based on trials, and it's very carefully designed, right? So it's not fasting does this. It is a five-day fasting-making diet done for six cycles, you know, in the with the doctor, with the dietitian, will achieve these effects in eighty percent of the people, or something like that, right? Uh, so, so yeah, I I think it's really because otherwise we're gonna go back to the medical community turns against this, and it just disappears again, and then fifty years on the road it comes back. Uh, um, you know, with with the next try and then disappears again, right? So yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, it's uh, now is the time. I I think that this fasting making diet and other dietary intervention are going to be here to stay and to represent food as medicine as a right. reality and not just a, a, a you know a two thousand year old idea. Yeah, exactly. And and from what we we just talked about, I think um, it's reasonable to for us to think that having food or abundance of food for too long is, is not good, obviously, but fasting for a prolonged period of time is also not good because you're sending that constant um, starvation mode signal to the body as well. Yeah. And also fasting for a short period, if it's water only, it could definitely be dangerous to a portion of people. Could it be 5%, 10%, 20%, or could it be 80% if you do it, do it enough time, right? So now you have, you know, no salts in, in no calories and so you know you could have hypotension hypoglycemia and lots of issues right then and people say well but I, i've done it and nothing happened it doesn't matter you could do it 20 times nothing happened the 21st time you're driving on the highway and something does happen 
and uh, and you you're gonna be in a lot of trouble, right? And, and I'm I'm speaking for experience, not my experience, but experience of people that contacted us and said, you know, I thought that I've always done this, but sure enough, maybe it's because you have the flu, maybe because you have the beginning of the flu, and yeah, that's one. That's why I think it's very important to standardize it, and uh, you know, and think about all these things, you know, so that people don't become hypoglycemic, hypotense, etc. That's that's a great point. So, you know, people who are listening and or watching, um, making sure that your body is suitable to do, you know, fasting. And while the benefits are, are very well uh, elaborated, uh, like Dr. Longo said, some people uh, may face higher risks of, you know, some form of complications if you do too much, um, you know, water fast and whatnot, and maybe then fast smoking diet could be a good alternative to a traditional water fast. So um, for our audience who would like to know more about, you know, all these efforts and research about you, uh, Dr. Longo, where can they find you? Yeah, I, I think the um, createcures.org, uh, the foundation uh, website, Facebook, uh, Walter, Professor Walter Longo in, in English and a few other languages. Uh, yeah, those are the main, I think, uh, Instagram. Um, yeah, so so those are probably the three places where... And Instagram is, is your name or is it... Is the yeah, I think Greek? it's Professor Walter Longo. I don't, I don't, you know, I just give them, they ask me for content, I give it to them and they post it, but, but I think it's my name. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been on it, you know, so, but... Uh, but uh, uh yeah so I'm well ready. before we go though i do want to ask you for some you know say three advice that you could give us uh for a uh to live a long and healthy life what three advice would you give us so number one would be do the longevity diet and uh i wrote a book about that so get the book it's all charity i don't make a penny out of it uh what's the book called Longe the longevity diet the longevity diet, got it. And, uh, and number two would be uh, fasting mimicking diet uh, at least a couple of times a year. Uh, and number three would be 150 minutes of exercise plus an hour a day of walking. Uh, 150 a week of exercise per week and plus an hour a day of walking. Yeah, I think if you did those three things, uh, probably you have a good chance of living very long. There you go. Thank you so much again um, for coming on uh, to the HBM and podcast. I definitely learn more and more every time I speak to you. So thank you. Well, thank you. Uh, thank and I you. hope people who are listening and watching also learn as much as I did on just about everything about fasting, fast making diet, just human evolutionary path that led us to where we are today and how our bodies respond to drugs, to food. To different diseases and why are we the way we are and i think that really was my driving force when i was a kid to want to be a scientist it's asking why why does my family have diabetes why do they end up like that why do they have to take drugs why and that this and that and guess what you know 20 years down the road after my, my undergrad, I'm still asking those questions and, you know, it just becomes more and more complicated. And the more you learn, the, the, the less you feel that, you know, so, all right, thank you. And, um, I'll see you soon.
Hello to all my listeners and viewers of the HVMN podcast. Unfortunately, I am here to tell you that this will be the last episode of the HVMN podcast for a while. We are taking a pause as my role at the at HVMN evolves and I am going to focus more of my bandwidth and efforts in the research, exciting research I have to add in exogenous ketones, specifically ketone IQ, in heart failure, in sleep apnea, in performance, and all of that very, very interesting area of um, looking at exogenous ketones. So, which also means that I don't have enough bandwidth to keep this podcast going. So that's very unfortunate, but I also want to use this opportunity to really thank you. And I'm really grateful for you to tune in every week it has been a dream come true because my passion as a scientist is to relay scientific information to non-scientists. And you guys gave me that platform and you guys actually came in and listened and gave me that opportunity to also improve myself as a communicator, as an interviewer, and most importantly, as a human being that is able to relate to you when it comes to whether it's short form or long form content. So I want to thank you so much. Um, and it's, it's crazy to think that a year and a half ago, that thousands of people would tune in every week and listen to me. I mean, I can't even stand my own voice in the beginning. So this, is, has, this has been an amazing journey. And, and this is not to say that HVMN podcast will not come back. It's, we're taking a, po- uh, taking a hiatus and it's just a, simply a pause. So who knows, we might come back next month or, you know, in half a year and whatnot. And if you think I should start my own podcast, uh, give me some comments on the feedback form and tell me what I should be doing myself. Also, um, I would like to to thank those people who actually, um, you know, go out of your way to leave comments and feedback to help me improve. Um, as a podcast host, as a scientist. So thank you so much. And again, this is not farewell forever. And uh, please keep on follow me if you want to know more about me uh, on my Instagram at Latmansor, on TikTok, also Latmansor. So feel free to message me there. I always check my messages and comments and whatnot. And I hope to see you guys on other platforms um, and speak to you guys. All right. So thank you so much for listening to the HVMN podcast. And this is a wrap for now for 2024. Thank you.